Today's scripture reading is uh, from Ephesians 2, verse 11. You can flip there if you have a Bible uh, open in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. When you greet someone, you say, hello. Um, I come from a country that has not only hello, but it also has bonjour. Um, in, in, in this part of, of, of the world, and in now my part of my life, I had to learn the phrases buenos dias, buenos noches. I had to learn uh, the phrase hola. By the way, Alexia, those are Spanish words. And uh, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to even travel to Poland, and I'm taught jun dobre which is hello. And then in Japan, what do they say, Alexia, for hello? Konnichiwa. So there's these different expressions, which are usual a way of, of saying, hi, how are you? You know, just kind of just a, a light pleasantry. If we were Jewish, we would say shalom. And, and I'm sure that it's become more of like shalom, shalom. But at its core, it's more than that. It's not just hi. It's not just a kind of a generic greeting. It's shalom. The word actually comes from another word, shalom. And that word shalom is found extensively in the book of Exodus, where there have been wrongs that have been committed, and those wrongs that have been committed against someone, there is a a debt, a brokenness, there's something that's missing, and now it needs to be restored. Shalom, wholeness, well-being, needs to be brought back into the equation. Brokenness, because of something broken, something wronged, there is now a lack of wholeness. Shalom, restoration, and when it's restored, shalom, which says it's more than just high. It's a, I wonder about this, are you asking me? 
Shalom? Is it a question? Like, are you asking me am I at peace? Is that what you're asking? Have you heard what's going on in my life right now? Have you heard that actually to the best of my ability, um, it's really difficult for me to find shalom? I'm just one of those anxious people or these are the circumstances that are happening right now. Are you asking me shalom? Are you telling me shalom? Come on. I know who you are. I know how things are going or I know who you are and I know what you believe. Come on, shalom. Is this a question? Is this an invitation? What what do you mean by this? And I think the more that we act and interact with one another, it's good to be reminded that maybe it's, it's good to have all of those things. Shalom? Shalom. I know what's happening. I understand the difficulty. I, I, not that I know what you're going through, but I've heard what you're going through, and I'm doing my best to genuinely have compassion and care for you in your moment. Shalom. I know there's been a wrongness that's existed, and, and I, I pray for restoration and wholeness to be restored. Shalom. Peace. I, I uh, had a friend, still have a friend. Um, a number of years ago, he went through a traumatic experience. Okay, it's Randy Blake. And I'll never forget, this is before anything as difficult as happened during COVID with him. He would send texts, and we would text back and forth, back and forth. And when we were kind of done conversing as friends, he would just say, Peace. And I thought it was a great, I love, I love taglines. I love brothers who say I'm rooting for you. I love, I love different ways that people close a conversation because it says a lot about them. And Randy's was, even before anything bad happened, was peace. And I've thought, I remember when, when, when he was really in the, in, the, in the hardest parts of his battle with COVID, I remember praying peace for him. And I remember seeing peace in him. The last text I had from him uh, before it went real south was, the Lord's will be done. Peace. And I, I just couldn't help but think as we prayed through that. Remember that? As we were like praying through that, is he, is he saying he has it? <laughs> is he saying he wants it? And it probably is all of the above, isn't it? Like, isn't that interesting? Like, that's how peace is? It's like, yes, and not, not quite, and, and uh, I want more. Isn't that like how peace works? I'm not here to set the record straight about the issue of peace. I thought Morgan did an amazing job last week helping us understand like what hope is. I, I think she was kind of in a sense. Um, somebody was commenting on, on how much the message spoke to them, and Morgan said so quickly, I just preached the Bible. <laughs> That's what she did. Like, this is what hope is. I'm here to help us understand. Like, this is why hope has, like, substance and veracity. This is why it's got some teeth to it, and it can, it can fit in real life. It's because this is what hope is. And I want to do that today with peace. Because it, it's, it's become sometimes a symbol, and, it, and it's not, by the way. I, I mean, I know that when you see this, you think peace, but it's, it's, peace is not that. I really thought, to be honest with you, um, I really thought this was like a sign that somebody developed from Berkeley back in the 60s. 
right? Some hippie? That's what I literally thought. No, that's not it at all. That actually, that sign is, I thought it was like a, some Eastern religion. Some, no, it's not actually. That sign is a development, 1958, in England. Um, that sign is a circle with a line down the middle making Ds, and then that thing in the middle is supposed to be an N, and it is actually about nuclear disarmament. It's from the nuclear disarmament movement in, in England starting in 1958. And then since then, it's been used in a number of different places. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm not for the use of nuclear war, just in case anyone's wondering. And, and, and truly, like, I think we could all just say, yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of nice if we didn't have any nuclear weapons. Amen? Unless we needed nuclear weapons. Amen? <laughs> right? Which I get it. I mean, I, I know we put that on our cars and we have that on our, right? We have it on all these, because it, it matters so much. And whenever I see people demonstrating with signs like that, I try to, first of all, sympathetically agree with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm for peace too. I just think it's more complicated. And, and especially in our part of the world, I just think it is. I happen to be in Washington, D.C., the night that the war broke out in 2003. And, and when it happened, um, we were just outside, by coincidence, the Canadian Embassy. And uh, we were looking for a place to use a bathroom. It was late at night. We had a bunch of supplies that we were just handing around to the homeless that were on, on the mall, just outside of, on, on the mall, between uh, the, the, um, the, the Lincoln Memorial and the, you know, so you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I'll remember hearing the news, and then I remember going to the White House and just thinking, wow, there's going to be a lot of protests. And there really wasn't. We saw, we saw a few things here and there, and there were people with signs. And I just couldn't help but think, because I just can't stop thinking. I just couldn't help but think, I'm for peace too. But you do know, like, there are people over there that when we go peace and we shouldn't get involved, like, like they're getting their teeth kicked in. Well, you think we're we supposed to save everything? I don't know what we're supposed to do. I just think the sign has a place, and I just don't think it solves it. Like, there's just more, and we need to stay more engaged, and we need to pray, and we need to... I just know that in this part of the world, when I hear people talk in a very simplistic way about how peace should come or where peace comes from, I, here's how I feel. It's just easy for you to say, or me to say. But I get it, I'm for it. I'm all for it, by the way. I, I just know that before there were ever nuclear weapons, there were terrible things being done to people. And if we get rid of them, it's, it's not like that's the problem. By the way, this is another symbol for peace. I like this one, because it's really meaningful, right? It, it can really go a far way, right? Just kind of like, gotcha, love you, right? Actually, I like doing that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I get a real kick. Canadians, we just, this is what we do all the time. Um, it's, and again, I get it. I like the playfulness of this. I get what it means. It's just, it's got to be more than that. This is, a, this is a real sentimental. If the first one has a little more substance, but it's still lacking, this one has a sentimentality to it that I kind of like. Shows us a very human side. It's not so much a protest. It literally seems to be more peaceful. And I'm for, by the way, 
the sentimental side of it. I'm, I'm for the, the jovialness that, that, that needs to exist for us to ever really experience peace. I, I just know that for it to truly be peace, it's going to need to be more. I, I love studying this guy. That's a famous picture. One of the most famous pictures probably in the last hundred years. His name is Neville Chamberlain. Time Magazine Man of the Year. He was Prime Minister of Britain in the 1930s. Honestly, in his defense, he would have been part of that generation that literally lost almost all of their friends in the battlefields of France. Millions of people, millions of people, almost an entire generation, completely wiped out. And he was determined. Before we critique him, which I think is also fair, he's prime minister, you don't want to be critiqued, don't become prime minister. You get less critique that way. (laughs) He just was, was bent on peace. A little bit of a, almost like a peace at all costs. What is so fascinating is, for those of you that don't know, the piece of paper is from the Munich Accord, 1938. He traveled to Munich, and he came back, in essence, he said this, peace in our time. War has been averted. And to prove it to you, If you read the signature at the bottom of the contract, it says right there, Adolf Hitler. So I want you to know, Europe has avoided war, and I have brought us peace. And it wasn't worth the paper it was written on. Like that's, Again, understanding where he's coming from, even getting sympathetically where he's coming from, and then realizing like you can't, by the way, this is one of the reasons why I think it's foolish for us to believe that we can find peace in our political process. I I think it explains a lot of the anger and the frustration and the things is because we, we still kind of want or hope to want or hope to believe that somehow the papers that we sign or the statements that we make are gonna provide it. And I think of him a lot. Even with the best of our intentions, there are things that are actually happening that are outside of our control. So peace is not trivial and it's not simple, it's, it's deep. But, but I, don't want it, I don't want it to leave it like beyond our grasp. Here's one other thing, is it's not tied up in our circumstances, as much as we want to think it is. It is true that peace is, in a sense, an absence of conflict, if you were to look into the dictionary. Peace is an absence of conflict. It's an absence of hostility. That is true. Peace is that, but that's not all that peace is. And we need to remember that. You can experience peace in not fighting. You can experience peace in not dealing with hardships or hostility. But that doesn't mean that that's all that peace is. Um, I've, I've done more counseling than I, than I want to do with, with people in relationships, many times marriage relationships. And the problem isn't that they're fighting. The problem is they just don't care. 
And that's not peace. Like to not care in a relationship when you should care is, is not being whole. That's why shalom is more than just an absence of war. It's wholeness, which cuts us to the very core. It exposes the, 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 the deepest part of our heart and our thought. And therefore, it can't be tied to circumstances. My wife and I went through a period where we began to realize, wow, our, our kids are a little more messed up than we thought they were. And I'll never forget her saying to me, in anxiety, my wife would say to me, I'm just afraid. She would, she would call it, I, I don't want the other shoe to drop. That was her phrase she would use. So any text or any call from the youth pastor, Andrew's like, I can't, I don't want to deal with this. I can't deal with this. I, I don't want to know what they did this time. And I, I remember being in that. I mean, I think a lot of us live in that, right? Isn't it interesting? Like we're, we're one phone call away. We're one text away. We're one email away. We're one job review away. We're one, hey, um, can we meet this week? There's something I want to talk to you about away from just being turned upside down, um, being absolutely devastated, being heart rate up, um, uh, just uh, sweats, um, nervous thoughts, and, and, I'm, and I'm tied circumstantially for this. And I, and I need to say, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few years, and particularly since in the COVID years, which I think is a little over 300 years we were in COVID. Um, here, here's what I now believe. And I, I think scripturally, and, and I owe it a lot to the Psalms, is that peace is, it exists like in the midst of it. Like if you read the Psalms, it's not God, things were bad, but now they're peaceful, thank you. It's no, things are upside down and I don't get it and I don't understand, but I, I'm at peace. It's, it's peace in the storm before Jesus says, peace be still. Like that's mostly what the Bible talks about and what it describes. And I'm always looking for the resolution. And hear me, I'm not saying there's not going to be a resolution, but... I'm living before the final resolution and I'm wondering where the peace is and I sometimes feel it and then I sometimes don't and I think it is absolutely human for us and we never need to apologize or sometimes be confused by the humanity in which. Now, for those of us who know Christ, there is a redemption, a wholeness, a shalom and a shalom that is coming to us but we're still being restored so we're in process. And therefore, there's nothing, I don't think, inherently wrong when there is, are those moments of breathe, 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 calm down, talk to someone, get some help. How are you? I'm okay, not really. Well, kind of, a little bit, except, but ultimately I think I'm good. Have you had one of those days? You've probably heard, I've had some friends, and they've had a difficult week last week. How is, how is Ross doing? I've had that a lot. How is Ross doing? Here's been my response. He's doing really well. And then I have to stop and go, but you do know the context, right? Like his wife just passed away. How is he doing? He's doing really well. Oh, he didn't like her? No. Ross loves, not past tense, Ross loves her. But he's doing okay. He's doing good, actually. I think he's doing really good. 
But you do know the context, right? That's called being human. And that's why peace is, it's not a symbol, and it's, 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 it literally is, it cannot be, it's affected by, but it cannot be tied to circumstances. Because if that's the case, it's, it's not true peace. You're, you're just happy in how things are going today. And I promise you, every one of us, that is temporary. And therefore, this is what the Bible teaches, is that peace is perfectly tied and securely fastened. It is perfectly tied and securely fastened to reality. What I loved about Morgan's message last week was she literally made us think that hope is not, it's not wishful thinking. Hope is reality. This is who God is. This is what God is going to do. And therefore we have hope. Well, I hope so. No, you don't say it like that. It's reality. You don't hope gravity works, do you? Well, I hope gravity still works. It's deeper than that. Now truly, there's still something outstanding, I promise, when it comes to hope because time is not done. It's not, there's still hope that is outstanding. There's still peace that is outstanding. There's still joy that is outstanding. There's still love that is outstanding because we're living between the advents, between the comings, between the arrivals. And so we have, but we don't have it fully. But the peace itself is perfectly tied and securely fastened to reality. And that is why I tell you, peace has a name. Here's how Paul says it. At that time, speaking about where there is truly conflict between people and God, at that time you were without Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of promise. You were without hope. That was real for you. You did not have faith in Jesus. At that time, you didn't even know about him. You didn't even know that you were in trouble. Like, I, I love to think about this. There was a moment where, not all of Europe, some people didn't believe the paper, but there was a moment where a bump, bunch of people in 1938 were thinking, oh, I'm so glad my kids aren't gonna have to go to war. We look back in time and go, that is so foolish. You don't know what's coming. And there are people all around us, that's why we love to talk about a missional God who, have, who, 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 who models, who calls and invites people into this mission in which we become missional people because there are people walking around going, I'm doing great with God, I'm doing great with God. Look, I got a piece of paper and I signed it myself. Yeah, but you don't understand what's happening. You don't understand what's coming. You don't understand who you are. You don't understand that there really is a God. You don't understand that you've wronged him. You don't understand that there is hostility and conflict that exists. And you just saying peace doesn't bring peace. But Jesus does. You were without hope and you were without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near the blood of Christ for he is our peace. I love that. Peace has a name. And so if you've gone through life enough, you've really wondered this question. Why is it that if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, or maybe you're not, and you're looking at other believers in Christ and they look just as anxious as you. And by the way, they might be. Like, what's wrong? What's broken? 
I think the answer is sometimes because of immaturity, sometimes just because you catch us on a bad day. It's because we have forgotten that peace had a name. And for a moment, we got wrapped up in our circumstances. We got completely tied up with either the good news that we were hearing and it gave a false sense of security or the bad news of a travesty and the deception that that's all that there was. And it is through Jesus that we're able to look through that and to realize not that those things don't matter. No, that we're not some kind of Eastern religion that doesn't believe that suffering exists and that it's all perspective. No, we acknowledge that it is real. We acknowledge it as true, but we acknowledge it as broken. We acknowledge it as not God's plan. We acknowledge it as not God's ultimate word. We acknowledge that there is something greater than that. Oh, you mean like when all of it gets better? No, it's greater than that. It's greater when all of it gets better. It's the one who's going to make it better. It's the one who brings meaning and understanding and purpose. It is the one who made it in perfect order and then when we broke it, said I'm not giving up and I'm going to restore it. I'm going to be the one to pay the debt so that shalom will happen, so that shalom is something that you can now experience because peace has a name, and his name is Jesus, which is so real and true. So what, what happens is, is that, speaking about reality, is that time comes at us. And, and I've, I've, I've tried to think, so how does this work? And, and literally what, what's happening to you and I is that we're constantly going through our lives, and we're uncovering day by day more and more of what's real more and more of what's true. I remember believing that like my mom and dad could fix anything. And when you're five, for the most part, almost any problem you have, they can. And I remember the day when I realized they can't. I'm gonna have to get to work. This is on me. I remember believing there was a day that I think I could fix everything. I really do, I think I can fix everything. And then there was a day when I realized I can't. Now, now I have a choice to make. Do I quit? Do I live in, in, in despair or do I live in just trying to make the most of what I have? So it's, it's, it's like um, when, when they find a city and it's under all this dirt and the archaeologists come in. We were in. A, uh, we're heading back to Israel in May of of, uh, of next year. And over the last few years, they've been doing some amazing work in a city called Magdala. You probably know Mary Magdalene. She's from that city. Um, the oldest synagogue recently has actually been uncovered there. When I say recently, in the last eight or nine years, and it's been fun to watch them. Uh, just work through the city. This is actually one of my favorite jokes ever. As I walked up, there were all these uh, archaeologists from Harvard, and they're doing this work on, on Magdala. And I walked up to these couple of guys, and they're like, you know, super archaeologists, and they're shaking. And I just stood over them, and I went, you lose something? <laughs> Truly one of my favorite Magdala jokes. Anyway, what, what they're doing, here's the part. What they're doing is, is that as they're getting rid of the dirt, they're finding, like, what's going on underneath it. And they're finding things. They're discovering things that are real. They just weren't there yet. 
And I think that's, that's what we're doing. As we're moving through time, and God only gives us things a day at a time. And, he, and then he says, and trust me, by the way, with tomorrow. Trust me with tomorrow. And you and I are just kind of going through, and all of our lives are like Magdala. And more and more and more of our life is coming to light. Reality is coming to light. Right now, I'm dealing with the reality that my wife's parents are gone. Um, the reality that my parents are getting older and that my dad is struggling to just have a, well, I would say, just like a normal, in-depth conversation. That's reality. And just more of that reality is just kind of like exposing. I've, I've thought a lot about it, and I have permission to talk about Kendra today, and she's been on my mind a lot, and I don't even apologize for it. But anyway... Kendra is praying, and what I loved about her prayers was every time she would say, pray for me, I never felt like she was saying, hey, would you rub my rabbit's foot? I never felt like she was saying, wish me luck. Here's what I felt like she was saying. I felt like what she was saying, she didn't use these words, she would just say, pray for me. I felt like she was saying, there is a very real God who exists, who has the power and, and the kindness to heal me. And I ask you to join me and beg him for my life. Will you do that with me? That's, that's just real. And I don't mean like real. I mean like that's reality. That's, that's a real truth. And we were trying to connect with that with prayer and with hope, trying to find peace in reality. And so literally we spent the last couple of years with her and the family kind of sifting through this dig and what we found at the level that we're at today, last Saturday, what we found out was in our journey of reality was Kendra was gonna go be with Jesus. And that was the new layer that we uncovered last week. And then we all gotta go, especially Ross and Riley and Kendall and Kent and Terry and Kevin and Patty and right, the brothers. How we doing? How we doing with what we've discovered? And see, if peace came from, well, we didn't, have, we didn't get what we wanted, then everything falls apart. But what Kendra kept saying, keep digging. Because underneath last Saturday is something deeper. And, and what I love about it is it, it's, 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 um, it's not a better circumstance Although ultimately when we get there, we'll find that. But actually it's Jesus who's holding it up. I think that's maybe why Jesus loved to say, you need to build on me. You need to build on me. Truth is a person. Peace is a person. It's not an idea. And we have to embody that peace. This is why it's so important that we Remember this, and we talk about this. That's why Paul says, I love these words in our text today, beginning in verse 14. Look how much Paul directs us. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility, which is why you and I will never find peace ideologically, because you might have a differing way on how to bring peace in the world. The only way we can bring peace is to get rid of nuclear weapons. The only way we can bring about peace is to have more nuclear weapons. And you and I, in a very hostile exchange, argue about it. It's not ideologically that we will ever find peace. Why? Because peace is not in an idea. 
Red state, blue state. Cause, cause. What holds us? He is our peace. He tears down the wall. For in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of the commands expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away, peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That is how we find peace, and that peace is a reality. A reality that we know because we've dug far enough. And a reality that we hold on to because we know there's more to come. Because peace has a name. And his name is Jesus. Which means this, you can only have peace in Jesus and what he has done for you or for us. So for those of you that are looking for it and cannot find it, I just want to ask you, are you really looking for it in Jesus? Nope. Peace will only come when I get what I want. Okay. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's just, it, it, it won't exist there. And if it does exist there, it's temporary. I promise. I've lived long. I'm only 54, and I've lived long enough to know that. Something else is going to come up that's going to disrupt you because peace is found in him. So you're telling me if I, like, I find him, then I'll just kind of live at peace? No. You'll get something better. You'll live at peace as you wait for the Prince of Peace to come and to make it all better. It is. And it is more. You know who I've been praying for this week? All seriousness. The Dalai Lama. When I was thinking about peace, I thought about him. He seems to be a symbol of it. He seems to be one of those people that, truly, I think most of us in here would probably admire him for, for the peace that he has. He just seems so peaceful. But he doesn't have Jesus, which means he's at war with the creator of the universe. He has no peace. And that reminded me, if you think you're at peace and you're not at peace, hey, Neville, You need to rethink this. Peace can only come through Jesus. And when that peace comes, it comes, but it's not magic. It's a person. And Jesus comes, and he's promised to come again. And until that time, I get to, I get to, we get to, like, sort through all of this. As we acknowledge the brokenness, as we seek shalom in order to experience shalom. You know, you know the phrase, it's Christmas. I know him. And so I just want to ask you, do you know him? Do you not know him and yet feel at peace? That's, by the way, not a good thing. If you don't know him and yet you think you're at peace or you feel peaceful, then something is broken. If you know him 
and, and you're not at peace, I would say we, we need to talk more, that may, maybe you need to not just know more, but we need to, we need to, we need to, we need to go on and on and, and, and look at and, and encourage and challenge one another with that shalom word so that we can experience it. But it only comes from Jesus because he's the one that made it very, very clear. I came to bring peace. I came to peace for those who are far away. And so what he is offering around the table with his disciples is peace. And that is why communion is something that only followers of Jesus partake in. Paul says, like, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you don't eat this because you'll drink condemnation. If you're living in rebellion against God, then don't take this because that is not a good thing to do. But for those of you that do know him, even if you're still working through some things, then come to the table and experience the peace of God. Because peace has a name. And the Prince of Peace took the bread and he broke it. And he said, giving it to each of them, this is my body and it was given so that you might be restored, so that you might have shalom and experience true shalom. Shalom, let us eat. And the cup, I love this text, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Shalom. Oh, the goodness of God. Wherever you are this morning, dealing with all the struggles and all of the difficulties, as reality, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is being made known to you, may you be able to celebrate the peace that you have, holding on for more and more peace as Jesus Christ tarries. Now let us stand and sing and make known to one another and to our great God, the one that we serve, how worthy he truly is.